Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would anoint the Word of God. Lord, we are expecting you to move. I, you know what? I dare you to tell God to move, to expect God to move right now. Come on. Now, where's the level of your expectancy? Where's the level of your, of your expectation? Where's the level of your hunger? There is no limit. There, the sky is not the limit. The Lord is, and He has no limits. So, Father, how far would you let us go? How abandoned would you let us be? Father, anoint your word. Give us hunger to expect fresh manna from heaven. And I pray that you would release freedom in hearts and minds and emotions today. I really feel in my heart that as they hear the word of the Lord go forth, that you would strike their heart with freedom, Lord God, as you, as you release this hidden gem in your scriptures to walk in freedom and liberty in Jesus' name. And everyone said... We've been talking on and off on the Beatitudes, uh, but the Lord has really moved, and so it seems like it's been long, but it hasn't been. It's just we've had other guest speakers, and the Lord has been moving. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it's one of the last Beatitudes, but I want to go in a different angle than what some of you are used to uh, hearing this. And I want you to hear this because I'm I'm about to release something that I feel from the Lord for you that is going to bring freedom. I've never said this before, but I'm going to say this Now, freedom and the force of peace in your mind and heart are synonymous. In other words, any area that you don't, listen to me, any area that you don't have peace in can be an area that you're not completely free in. Here, I'm going I'm to prove that. Just listen to me. Because it's not God's will that you have angst in certain areas of your life, in your emotions. If you have little, uh, little uh, things of hurt and pain or bondage that is causing you to overthink things. So I want you to see this. Matthew chapter, or anxiety, Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 says this. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. I'm going to say that again. Blessed, Jesus gives obviously eight blessings, but in this case, he comes to this blessing. And he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And I think that's very important because out of all the Beatitudes, he really highlights sonship and identity for those who make peace. He highlights, he goes, those that make peace or establish peace in realities, in people, in, in, in their own lives, on the earth, they're going to be identified as my sons because my sons and daughters, I am the prince of peace. And so they will look like me when they release peace in situations. Now, why do I, I say this? Because I believe peace and freedom are synonymous. I've never said that before. But there is a, a mystery of peace that brings freedom. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you're constantly thinking about something and you're carrying that everywhere you go? Come on, and you, you carry the, the, the weight of your finances, or you carry the weight of a relational conflict, or you, you carry the weight of, 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 of not knowing what's next, and it's continually eating at your soul. When you have peace about a situation, there's freedom. I like to say it this way. I never said this before, but as I was praying, the Lord gave me these weird analogies. It's like spiritual Drano, and I'm not, it's, it's a spirit, it's a, the force of peace is like a spiritual Drano. In other words, it empties you out of all the, uh, the, the attachments that you're holding on to until nothing but peace remains in there. And it's, listen, and I know this is old-fashioned, but it feels good when your mind is at peace. 
It feels good when your heart and emotion is at peace. You know that you can love God and not be at peace? And I, and I want to share this with you because the, 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 we know that even in the New Testament, that the medicine, sorry, the result of, of, of the medicine that God gives us is peace. Remember what the Bible says in Philippians 4. You don't have to turn it. But Philippians 4 says, be what? Anxious for nothing. How many, not, not listen, not, I'm not trying to uh, get you to raise hands. But if I were to just do a poll and say how many are suffering anxiety here, probably 50% will raise your hand. So I'm not trying to embarrass you. But the Bible says, be anxious. In other words, fearful, anxious. People have panic attacks. People are anxious because they see their bills and they don't know how to, they don't know how to pay it. Or they, they're behind and, they're, and they become anxious. And so many of us, we struggle with anxiety. Now watch this. What is the biblical, what is the biblical uh, uh, answer to anxiety? First of all, God gives us a medicine. Now, a medicine would not be a medicine if it didn't have results, right? That's why when you go get an infection, you get medicine, and you're praying for a result of what? What's the result of a medicine? Healing. Ooh. So peace brings healing. The force of peace brings healing. It's amazing how peace eludes so many Christians. Come on, that was a good place to say amen. Now watch this. Be anxious for nothing. Now, now what's the medicine? What's the medicine for anxiety? But in all things, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And what's the result of the medicine? And the peace of God that passes all understanding will settle in your heart and mind. So and the, the problem is anxiety for this case, uh, thinking things too much. The medicine is prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. The result of the medicine is peace. The peace of God is so important because sometimes we overthink problems so much. We overthink things so much that the things that we're overthinking becomes a snare in our life. How many can relate to that? We, uh, we think things and we can't shake it off because we wake up, we go to sleep thinking about it, we, 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 we're in, and we go in the morning and it, it doesn't shake us. There's some things that we go through in our life that we cannot shake and we're constantly giving our thoughts and our emotion to it and we call it butterflies but sometimes those butterflies are, are negative butterflies because they're destroying our emotions. Have you ever lived with, with something in your family and that you're constantly thinking about and it's destroying your joy? Come on. How, how many times have you gone through a situation in your, in your life or in your business or in your, or your ministry or in your family that you constantly think about, but yet you quote the scriptures, but inside you now have full peace? It's amazing what peace will do because peace not only brings healing, peace is also the voice of God. Have you ever been to a place where on the outside it looks good, but you just don't feel peace inside? That, that's the voice of the Lord saying, I am not wanting you to go this route. Or you're making a business deal, or you're about to go into a certain direction, and everything in the natural seems great, but you don't feel peace. That's the voice of the Lord saying, don't do it. It's not just, come up here to my mountain, don't do it, because I will shake the earth if you do it. Or on the opposite, sometimes it could be beautiful in the outside. Or sorry, sorry, it could be ugly on the outside. It doesn't make sense. It could be a hard road, and, and it could be dirty, and it could be a narrow, and it could be something that is like, oh, God will never tell me to do this, but yet you feel supernatural peace. Peace brings direction. Bring, peace brings healing. Peace brings freedom. Why do I say this? That's why God calls peacemakers blessed, because the force of peace brings freedom. 
Why, why, th- this is powerful. There is a difference between making peace, I'm going to shout at myself, and keeping peace. Because keeping peace and making peace is two different things. They sound similar, but God didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers that shall be called the sons of God. He said, blessed are the peacemakers that shall be called the sons of God. Those who make peace sometimes have a tendency to compromise truth in order to gain a false peace because they don't want drama because they don't want to confront truth. So true peacemaking makes wrong things right. But peacemaking, a a peacemaker never compromises truth, watch this, to gain peace. But a peacekeeper could sometimes be silent in the midst of injustice because they don't want the drama that comes with when truth is spoken. So what happens is when people are in a dinner table or they're in a family gathering and a a taboo conversation comes up about Scripture. Come on, somebody. And, well, you know, what does the Bible say about this? And they put you on the spot. And in our millennial uh, uh, reformation in our churches, we want to be so relevant at the expense of old-fashioned Scripture. That was one amen. What I mean by that is... Love is not love just because it's the millennial love. True love will say truth even if it, even, wait, let me rephrase it this way. Let me, say, let me say it this way. Truth in love is what God wants. He doesn't want you to be mean when you say truth. But let me tell you, sometimes there's no shortcuts. So what am I saying? A peacemaker makes a truce with the enemy. A peace, sorry, Peacekeeper makes a truce with the enemy. A peacemaker never makes a truce. What's a truce? Well, here's a truce. Hey, worldly people or worldly uh, desires, hey, Satan, hey, demonic forces, don't, don't say too much about your agenda, and we won't say stuff about our godly agenda, and we'll both stay silent to have a form of peace, but it's a false form of peace. So what God is wanting is peacemakers that make peace. Why? Because making peace is acts of justice and it brings freedom in your life. You know what peacemakers are? Remember, remember David and, and, and Goliath, the old, the old story? Here's Israel being mocked by, by this Philippine. And so he is, he is, he is really Philippians, not Philippine. <laughs> Thank you, Donnie, for that, for that facial expression. He's like, That triggered the, the, thank you. The Philistines. (laughs) The Philippines, oh my God. God loves the Filipinos, all right? (laughs) So here's, here's Goliath, watch this. He's cursing God. He's cursing the children of Israel. And Israel is shaking their knees and saying, don't, watch this, say anything. Let's have, let's make peace. Let's not say anything to establish a false form of peace because if we say anything, they may get angry. But the whole time this is happening, Goliath is cursing God and the children of Israel is like, don't say anything. Let's not anger him anymore. David comes on the scene. He's going, what's up with y'all? Don't you see what this guy is doing? What, are you just going to stay silent? No, shh, David, don't say anything. You're going to stir up the, the pot. Don't say truth. Don't say it right now. Because if you do, people are going to leave. Don't speak truth. Watch. So David comes on the scene. He goes, 
I'll just take it from here, guys. Thank you. I'll take it from here. Why are you letting this uncircumcised Philistine talk to, about our God this way? And so he established peace, and he looked at the Philistines, and he goes, look. He goes, you come up to me with a javelin and a sword and a spear, but I'm going to come to you in the name of the Lord my God. <laughs> he said, I'm going to establish peace here by releasing truth, and I'm not going to shy away from it. Watch this. Remember Jehu? How many remember Jehu? So Elijah just finished calling down fire from heaven. Just finished calling down fire from heaven and, and, and destroyed the false prophets of Baal, right, and all the, the false idolatry. And the Bible says that Jezebel said, hey, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be like these f- prophets of Baal that, that, you, that, you ki- that you had killed from the fire of the Lord because of the truth, whatever. So Elijah, this man of God, started fleeing the opposite way. God had to tell Elijah when he was in the cave, he said, hey, Elijah, you need to go back and anoint Jehu and Elisha in your place, and they'll take care of you. they take care of what you couldn't do. In other words, I'm going to establish peace on the land because sometimes spiritually the righteous have to take it by force, by faith. So Jehu comes down, and he goes, watch this. Who's on the Lord's side? And then there's two eunuchs came. Let me just say this. Whenever you have Jezebel, you never could have peace. Jezebel was in the land, there can be no peace. There was, there was constantly intimidation. There was constantly these, these threats from Jezebel. So Jehu says, if you're on the Lord's side, bring her, bring her down if you're on the Lord's side. So these two eunuchs threw her down, established peace, overthrew Jezebel, watch this, and did not establish a false sense of peace by holding back. Why do I say that? The biblical, the biblical idea of peacemaking, watch this, is a positive force is active and is never is never passive peacemaking there's freedom in peacemaking because because peacemaking is so beautiful when it comes to the heart are you with me it's amazing what peace does to your mind it's amazing what peace does to your heart are you with me it's amazing what peace does in our emotions if we are if, if I, if you are struggling in any area emotionally, you know one of the antidote is to have peace of God. Watch this. Rule your heart. The Bible says let the peace of God rule your heart. And what I would like to say is, it's not on, your, on the screen, but I want you to write this down. Peace in my heart and mind is synonymous to walking in complete freedom. You could write that down. You could quote it if you want. Peace in my heart and in my mind is synonymous to walking in, in complete freedom. The force of peace is powerful. How many of you, by the showing of hands, have felt what it felt like not to have peace in some area of your life? Your, your emotions. You know, how you, know, you know how you know that you don't have peace in your life? When you're constantly thinking about something over and over and over and over again, and you feel that little knot in your spirit, Right? yet not in your mind. And I know for me, I know when I'm still not healed from stuff is when I'm continually uh, thinking about these things that are hurtful and the peace of God is not fully manifested in my life. That's why the antidote for anxiety and fear is the peace of God. And so peacemaking is so amazing. Making wrong things right is peacemaking. And so to establish truth, God wants to bring us as a peacemaker. Can I hear an amen? Now, I know there's a, lot of, there's a lot of attributes or characteristics of a peacemaker, but I'm going to give you three. And in these three today, it's going to hit you with a bazooka uh, for, for your heart and your mind and your emotions. Why? Because I am after 
the, the, the freedom of God in your heart and your mind and your emotions that you could walk in total freedom and peace. There is a reality that you could walk in that you could have peace in every area of your life. Let's just say finances. Let's just say emotions. Let's just say with your family members. Let's just say with a conflict with somebody. I believe that there's a place you could walk in that that spiritual drain will empties out all that hurt and all that fear and all that anxiety and only the peace of God remains. How many want that? How many want that? You know those who are, who are praying over their loved ones, there's sometimes that angst and hurt in you because you're constantly thinking about the condition of your loved one. Right? How about, how, about, how about overworking? That's an idol, right? If, we're, if we overwork, sometimes the peace of God eludes us and has nothing to do with God's power. And let me say that again. It has everything to do with our inability, maybe, to steward our time right. Some, some of us are workaholics. Can I hear an amen? And because we're workaholics, we tend, the peace of God tends to escape us. How many getting something this morning? So the first characteristic, I'm going to share this powerfully here. The first characteristic of, of a peacemaker is they're at peace with God. Say they're at peace with God. Now, I'm going to give you three, but this is powerful. Some of you heard this before. I have some new revelation on this. Now, being at, what does it mean to be at peace with God? Look at me, guys. What does it mean to be at peace with God? We regulate that term to somebody dying in a coffin and a, you know, and a minister saying, this brother was at peace with God. You know, and we regulate that to the end, like when someone dies. No, let me tell you what being at peace with God is. Here's a little revelation. Being at peace with God means, so let, me, let me pause, let me pause and backtrack. We're at peace with God through justification. In other words, there's nothing we could do just with the process of justification. The Bible says we're justified by faith, therefore we have peace with God, right? But there's another peace that comes out of our behavior and our response. Can I hear an Amen. Here's what I mean. Look at me. Look at me. I'm going to prove it. We have to silently examine our hearts and our minds. Being at peace with God means we examine our heart to make sure there's nothing secretly in there that we're secretly angry with God that we feel he should have stopped or prevented in our lives because he's a loving father. It got quiet. In other words... Is there any area in your life when you inspect it really good that you have secret angst or secret soft anger towards God because you kept trying to do something over and over again and it's never happened? Or you tried to, to mend a relationship or you tried to get this business or you tried to get this calling and it just never happened? Or watch this, something happened in your family and a family member died or passed away and you were praying for healing. Come on, somebody. And you were praying for healing, and nothing happened, and they passed away, or they got afflicted with some sort of uh, 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 sickness. If we're not careful, or even you're going to church every week, and you're serving in the house of the Lord, and your finances are upside down. If you're not careful, if you don't examine your heart with truth, you'll have a secret angst against God. God, why did you allow them to do that to me? Why did you allow that, that ministry to do that to me? Why did you allow that job to do that to me? Why did you allow my friends to abandon me? And we have this theology that God is the one who's doing all this. But if God allowed it, it's for a purpose. Because if you know your identity, you know that all things work together for good. Come on, say amen. So Part of having peace with God is examining yourself to see if there's any secret anger against you and God because of what he allowed. Come on. 
The other dynamic for being at peace with God, watch this, is not being in agreement as, as, as people who love Jesus, not being purposely in agreement with a worldly lifestyle. Are you guys awake this morning? I'm not getting any amen here. <laughs> you know the Bible says in James chapter 4? It says, uh, it's kind of rough, so I'm not going to even put it on. I mean, there's, there's a scripture that's really rough. So I don't want to say it to, to put it up to think that I'm just saying that about you, but it's the, it's the New Testament. But in, in James chapter 4, he says this, anyone who wants to make a friends with the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you want, you want to see that in the book of James? How many want to see that? Okay, James chapter 4, put it up there. James chapter 4, the scripture that I gave you. I, the reason why I don't want to say it is because I, there, there's, there's two words in there that is like James is really, really rough. You know, a lot of times we have, to, we, we have to stop apologizing for New Testament verbiage. Like sometimes I'll just quote the scriptures in the New Testament and I'll get attacked for it. Look, look I'll tell you, look at, you ask and you not receive because you ask and miss it. You may spend it on, on your pleasures. Now, see, I don't like that. But it says it. Adulterers and adulteresses. I'm not calling you that. But I know if I, if I just read the scripture, I'll, I, that, that me reading the scripture is like, why is he saying that? Do not, no, watch, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of God, sorry, a friend of the world makes himself what? Okay, so to be at peace with God means that we're not in agreement with a worldly lifestyle. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we're harping on the world or we're harping on sin. It means that we also have a propensity to be in agreement with things. And the Lord says that. So to be at peace with God is examining your heart to see if there's something in our hearts that we're angry at God. Not be in agreement with the world, but watch this. Here's a, here's a thing. Look at me. This is one thing I want to say. Get that video ready, Zach, for uh, of John Bevere. How many know who John Bevere is? John Bevere, he is he is a a a, a a leader that has been used by God to change me and, and heal me and strike me and, and, and do all that and just, just coming into a place of healing. Do you know that there's a difference between God loving you and us pleasing God? L look at me. Do you know that there's a difference between God loving you and our responsibility to please God? Let me tell you, let me give you an example. There's nothing you and I could do, there's nothing you and I could do, watch this, that will make God love us better, more. No, no, nothing. Nothing we could do to make God love us more. But we do have the responsibility to be well-pleasing to God, Right? Because the Bible says we make it our aim, whether present or not present, to be what? Well-pleasing to the Lord. So why do I say that? Because there is an area in our lives that says without faith it's impossible to, impossible to please God. I want you to see this one-minute video clip that I have of John Bevere. And I want you to look up, up, up on there because of the fact that um, this really touched me about a couple years ago. Amen? Four. We make it our aim or our goal, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. You know, I, I'll never forget the time my boys were teenagers. They were sitting around the table. We were having dinner. And I said, hey, guys. You know, all of us were sitting there having dinner. Lisa was there, too. And I said, guys, you know, you can't do one thing to make your mother and I love you any more than we love you. And they said, and I said, you know what? You can't do one thing to make your mother and I love you any less than we love you. And you could just see him revel 
in what I had just said, the two statements. But then I looked at him and I said, but you are in charge of how pleased we are with you. You can't do one thing to make God love you any more than he loves you. You can't do a thing to make him love you any less than he loves you. But we are in charge of how pleased he is with us. That's why Paul says we make it our goal, not just to be pleasing, but look at this, well-pleasing. So that, that, that clip really touched me because, thanks. <laughs> because we, I realized that I think one of the ways that, that we are at peace with God is that we are continually striving to be well-pleasing with him. Can I hear an amen? The second characteristics of a peacemaker, now write this down. This is where you're going to get a lot of healing. And this is where I've had, to, I've had to get a lot of healing. Watch this. The second characteristic of a peacemaker is, watch this. You're at peace with others. You're at peace with others. Say peace with others. Now, if you know me a lot, you will know that one of my favorite scriptures is Hebrews 12. And I always, I was telling Pastor Donnie this this morning, I always harp on the peace part, but the Lord had me harp on the first word of this scripture. An attribute of a peacemaker is being at peace with God, being at peace with others. Say being at peace with others. Now watch this. Pursue peace with all people. Say all people. Say not some people. Say all people. With, and holiness without no one will see the Lord. Watch this. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness bringing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now watch. The Bible says pursue, people with, pursue peace with all people, not just the ones that you like. Not just the ones that, that didn't hurt you that bad. I mean, I'm talking about the ones that hurt you real bad. And it doesn't only say pursue those that you know you hurt. It also says pursue those that hurt you. That's what it means. I think sometimes when we pursue peace with others is because we know that we made a mistake and we feel guilty and we hurt somebody and then we pursue. Well, how about pursuing peace with others that hurt you? Hello? This is, this, is, this is healing. How about, pe how about pursuing peace with others that did you wrong, and maybe they didn't know that they did you wrong, but they still hurt you? Do you know that there's a command that for us that we still need to pursue peace with those people? Come on. You know what the word pursue means? Watch this. Pursue means, I looked it up, to run swiftly in order to catch something. To run swiftly in order to, to, to apprehend someone or to reach a goal. It, watch this. That definition of pursue means to run frantically to try to find and get that. That means you're, are you running frantically to make peace with people who hurt you? Oh. Are you running with, with, with intent to apprehend for those who hurt you? Or, or watch this. Are we giving them the silent treatment? Come on, husbands and wives. You know what I'm talking about. Come on, because husbands and wives, <laughs> what happens when you get hurt with each other, you don't pursue peace with each other most of the time. You give each other the silent treatment. And you know what? Even in friendships, watch this, in friendships, in ministry relationships, in work relationships, when people get hurt by other people, they start giving them silent treatments. And God says pursue peace with all people, not give them silent treatments. One, two, three, four, five. Thank you. And I'm not, I'm not mad, I'm saying I'm passionate when I say this because I'm, 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 I'm hurting for the body of Christ because there's so many people that the antidote for 
Healing relational conflicts, hear me now, is not being silent. But that's what the enemy wants. When you are hurt by someone, you immediately get silence. You immediately get distance. You immediately cut them off. You immediately don't want to do anything with them. But that's not the biblical way to heal a relationship. The biblical way is to pursue peace with others. You know what the Bible says? Come on, how many, how many believe that? And when you do, and when you do, and, and you know what, and you get to that place, here's what the Bible says in Psalm 34. The Bible says not only in Psalm 34 for you to uh, uh, have peace, it says to pursue it. Psalm 34, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Say, seek peace and pursue it. When you seek something, you haven't found it yet. It's still invisible. But when you pursue something, that means you can see it. Look at this. Look at this. I'm going to give, let's say Pastor Donnie is peace. Come here. Come here, Pastor Donnie. So get over there. So Pastor Donnie is peace, and I'm trying to pursue it. But as long as I don't see it, I can't pursue it. First, you got to seek peace. But once you seek it, once you seek that problem, once you seek that, that, that uh, the thing and you pursue it, that means you can see it. But here's the difference. There's a difference between you seeing peace and you pursuing peace. Because you can see the need to make peace with others without pursuing it. You could see the need. You know why people don't pursue it? Because it's too hurtful. It's too difficult. So the antidote or the band-aid is let's stop talking to them. Come on, let's be honest, guys. I'm trying to bring a pastor to you today. It's not God's will for you to have a relationship with somebody and then you get hurt and then you give silent treatment to your husband, to your wife, to your son. I've, I've seen parents give the silent treatment to their, to their kids because it's hurtful. And rather than humbling yourself and say, you hurt me, how can we get, how can we, please forgive me. Listen, forgiveness is also being, helping part of the healing. Forgiveness is not just a, hey, forgive me. No, it's like, how can I do it right? So here's, here's peace. I'm trying to pursue it. And, and, peace, and peace is, come here. And peace is trying to come, and we're trying to pursue peace. Oh, my God. And, and, and it, it keeps eluding me. And fi- wait, 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 come back here. All right. So finally, finally when you get peace. Okay. So, do you see what I just did? It was tiring to pursue peace. No, but, but seriously, it's exhausting in the, in, emotionally when you try to pursue peace and it's not there. It's exhausting emotionally when you're trying to make things right with others and it keeps eluding you. But keep pursuing it. Because when you pursue peace with others, your heart becomes alive. And here's the thing. You may not always have to agree with them to establish peace as long as you make wrong things right. Can I hear an amen? Come on. Peace. You fast, peace. (laughs) So funny, while he's running, he's fixing his shirt too. He's like. (laughs) He's like, I got to look good. Say peacemaking does not mean silent treatment. Is this hitting you home? I could tell because no one's saying amen to me. Say peacemaking does not mean silent treatment. It doesn't mean that you stop. (laughs) I'm tired, right? I look, I look like a, one of those preachers. Give me the towel. <laughs> Maybe I should have done that to fake that I wasn't tired. 
And I'm going to be real honest. Please, please hear my heart as a pastor, not as, uh, not as someone that you have opinions about. Biblically, biblically is this. If you have a relational conflict with someone that hurts you, here's the antidote. Don't wait for them to pursue you. You pursue them. And you do all you can to make peace, and God will bring healing to your heart. But please, and I say this with love, don't encourage silent treatment, and don't encourage cutting people off. That is not the biblical way. That actually causes more hurt. It causes more hurt. You and I must be peacemakers. Can I hear an amen? Peacemakers make wrong things right. I need the worship team to come up here. Glory to God. I really feel that some of you... If you're going to be a peacemaker, A, be at peace with God. Examine yourself if there's any anger in your heart towards God. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Some of you, it goes back when you were a child, a, a kid. You were abandoned by your father or you were abandoned by your mother or something happened to you. And you know what happened? You are secretly holding anger towards God because you felt if God loved me, he would not allow this to me. The second the second characteristic of a peacemaker, watch this, is you and I pursuing peace with others. Say peace with others. You know about guys, it's biblical. In, Matthew, in Mark 11 and Matthew 5, even in the Sermon on the Mount, you know what Mark 11 says? If you are praying and you remember that you have something against someone, he said, forgive them. And then in another scripture, it says, if you're at the altar and there remember that someone has something against you. Oh, so now it covers both angles. It's not just you having something with someone. But if you're praying and you remember, you know what? This person has something against me. Hear me, church. Look at me. The Bible commands us to forgive them. I want to encourage you this morning. In, forgive your friends. Be quick to forgive. Qu forgive, your, forgive me. Forgive your pastor. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to please everyone. Forgive your daughter. Forgive your son. Forgive your parents. Forgive your bosses. Come on. What would happen if the church really did peacemaking like this? You know what would happen? The enemy would try to bring a snare and it would be closed the moment it would try to bring the snare. Why? Because we're aware of his tactics. Here's the problem with offense. Please hear me. Offense and hurt is camouflaged by all the wrong that was done to you so that you never see the true condition of your heart. Do you hear what I just said? Woo! I felt a woo moment there. Come on. Offense and hurt or disagreement camouflages the true condition of what's going on in your heart by focusing on all the wrong that was done on you. My God. I am getting three amens. I know by experience and through the scripture that we cannot afford. Can I just, this is coming on me now. Your calling could be stopped because of lack of making peace with others. Your joy could be dried up. Your joy could be dried up when we fail to make peace with people that we have a disagreement with. But here's the thing. We, we live in a culture that we think we have to agree with everything in order to be united and unified. We don't have to agree with anything. We're going to have differences. You're going to have differences with your kid. You're going to have differences with your boss. You're going to have differences with your teacher. You're going to have differences with your church. You're going to have differences with your, with your spouse in marriage. 
How many, how many married people in here? You're looking at me like you've never had any issues. How many married people up in here? Have you guys have ever had any disagreement in your life? Okay. As a matter of fact, I don't think you're really married unless you have disagreement. I don't, I don't even think you're married unless you roll over every now and then and say, I want to I bust her upside the head. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you're really married if, you didn't wanna, if the wife didn't want to strangle the husband every now and then. Come on, Holy Ghost. See, uh, see it all come, they're getting free right now. They're like, hallelujah. I've been wanting to say that. My point. <laughs> see, you, you got more amens out of that than anything else I said. Like, I've been waiting for him to say that. But seriously, we need to pursue peace with people. Because listen, listen, if we don't, here's what's, what's going to happen. Every, uh, every relationship that you are going to be in, every job that you apply for, every church that you go to will have the same thing happen over and over and over again. Because if you don't get this right relationally with people, you're going to treat everybody else that bad. And don't, and don't blame that one person because he's unique or she's unique. Oh, no, she's unique. That's why she really messed me up. And, and No, 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 no. You have the opportunity to pursue that means pursue people that you hurt. I'm bringing healing now. And pursue people that hurt you. But if you give them the silent treatment, you're not going to be healed. Time sometimes heals things. But in this case, time and silence does not heal things. If you had a disease ravaging your body, time is your enemy. Am I right? What kind of urgency do you have when you, when you get diagnosed with a horrible disease? Do you just wait to see if it's just going to all magically work out? Or are you going to frantically pursue a healing? I dare to say by the presence of the Lord, many of you need to pursue relationships that have hurt you. Because if you don't, you will never be fruitful in the kingdom of God. And you always have this little thing on your side that you'll always be secretly angry at everybody. Do you know that a lack of peace makes you angry and critical? It's important that we get healed from wounds. If not, we will be critical of those people. And we'll paint them wrong when they have moved on in their heart. But yet you're still stuck on five years ago. And you don't see that they repented, but yet you're, you're waiting for them. If Jesus would have waited for humanity to forgive them, and, and, and if he would have said, I'm not saying anything until they recognize who I am. Do you realize where we would be if Jesus did not say, you know what, I'm going to take care of it right now. They don't even understand. Father, forgive them for they not know what they do. He could have said, who's your daddy? Tell me who your daddy is and tell me now. Now that you see the lightning bolts and the thunder, now tell me, huh? right? Right? You were wrong. See, that's what we want. We want people to say, you were right and I was wrong, or I was wrong, you were right, whatever. Don't, Jesus didn't wait for them to admit that they were wrong. The problem with the church is that we're waiting for other people to say, I'm so sorry. If that happens, praise God. But if it doesn't, which is most of the time, you pursue peace. And guess what? Even if they don't respond, God, said, God sees that you pursued it. If they don't respond in the way that, that makes reconciliation possible with others, God says, you did your job. 
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. God is healing some of you because you've had this inside and you've been waiting. The Lord says, pursue. In other words, run. Oh, I hear this from the Lord. If you don't get healed from this, those of you who are, are hurt relationally by somebody, please hear me. This is from the Lord right now. This is not my notes. If you've ever been hurt relationally, we're still in characteristic two. Be careful of what you hear during times when you're hurting. Because when you're hurting, you get most vulnerable at that time. Come on, somebody. You become so vulnerable that you will attract criticism. Oh, they did that to you. They did that to me. Uh, you have to be careful what you allow in your ears when you're in a season of hurting because then you will become a, a, a victim of a seed that the enemy wants to put in your life. That's why Jesus says, be careful what you hear. But more that is given, more, shall, more hears, more shall be given. What does that mean? More positive that you hear, more positive will be given. But more negative that you hear, more negative will be given. This is relational... This is a relational 101 class. I've, I've talked to Donnie. Donnie is one of my best friends. I'm not, he knows that. What, sometimes we talk and I told him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up with a new series. Remember the series? How low can you go? Humble yourself. Watch this. It, it speaks volumes of who you are when you're willing to humble yourself and say, forgive me. Man, that slipped out my mouth. Forgive me. I, I'm sorry. But if you're too prideful to say, see, is it right? It's about time you said that. Then that's not the right attitude. I told Donnie, I said, I'm going to go low. And I'm not saying just for me. I'm just saying everyone. I said, it, it's a win-win situation. You go low all the time. Humble yourself from the mighty hand of God. And he what? Exalt you in due time. Well, well, Pastor George, how about if they don't do it? Humble yourself. Philippians 2. Philippians 2, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself to the point of death. The very next verse, therefore, God has given him a name that is above every name. The therefore came right after his decision to humble himself. I've made a decision, I'll humble myself. As a pastor, as a leader, I am not above asking for forgiveness for other people. And I never want that to stop. Neither it should be for you. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? The last attribute of a peacemaker. Are you getting something? We all have people that have wounded us. We all have people that we wounded. The third attribute of a peacemaker is that you're at peace with yourself. Woo! First attribute is you're at peace with God. The second attribute of a peacemaker is that you're at peace with others. The third attribute of a peacemaker is that you're at peace with yourself. What does being at peace with yourself mean? I'll tell you. Being at peace with yourself means some people have no problem forgiving others, but they do have a problem forgiving themselves. Some people are beating themselves up so much because they've already dealt with God, they've already dealt with other people, but now the result of your actions are weighing heavy on your mind and in your spirit, and you're beating yourself up because you can forgive others, but you can't forgive yourself. And I'm here to tell you that if you don't forgive yourself, it's just as equal as not forgiving others. 
because God created you in his image. And watch this, Kevin, you're going to like this, because not forgiving yourself is actually an assault of your identity. Because when you don't forgive yourself, you're saying God made me in his image, and so it is an assault on our God-given identity when we don't forgive ourselves. Hey, let me tell you, not only let other people go, let yourself go. Stop beating yourself up with something that happened a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago or a couple years ago. What does, what does, what produces, what produces not, 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 uh, I'm sorry, being at peace with yourself, not being at peace with yourself. You know what it produces? Self-hatred, condemnation, shame. Do you know that shame, condemnation, and self-hatred are all a result of not being at peace with yourself? Love your neighbor as your that, oh yeah, Pastor Joey, we don't, we don't, we don't need to love ourselves. What Bible are you, are you reading? We do need to love ourselves, not in the sense of look at me, I'm prideful. Look at me as God's creation, as the image of God. So being at peace with God, a peacemaker. Watch this. I'm, I'm closing with this. A peacemaker has the characteristics of three main things: being at peace with God. Say at peace with God. Say at peace with others. Being at peace with myself. Being at peace with yourself also means that you give yourself, watch this, grace for things that still have not passed that you felt you should have been far along at this time. In other words, some of you are beating yourself up because you say, man, by this time, I should have had my business. By this time, I should have been a leader, but I'm not. I keep falling. Let me tell you something. Be at peace with yourself. Let God work in you, and don't be so hard on yourself. People that are hard on themselves do not know the grace of God, the revelation of the grace of God. He says, when you're weak, then I'm strong. Lastly, look at me, lastly. Every time, every time you make peace with others and you make peace with God and you make peace with yourself, you discombobulate the devil and you break his back. Now watch, I'm going to prove it to you. The act of peacemaking crushes the devil. No, 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 no. The act of peacemaking with God, with others, and yourself, it silences the enemy, and it puts God's feet in his neck so he cannot talk anymore. You say, Pastor George, where is that in Scripture? Look at the last Scripture that I have. Romans chapter 16. Look at what it says. Whenever you do a peacemaking act, you crush and defeat the devil. Look what it says. And the God, not of power, not of majesty, not of great strength, the God of peace will crush Satan under Beneath your feet and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What does that mean? That when you and I make peace with ourselves, when we make peace with others, we make peace with God, it's the God of peace that crushes Satan. It's the God of peace. The peace is a force. And when you make peace with others, it discombobulates the enemy. And you humble yourself and say, forgive me. The enemy says no. And you just broke the power of the enemy by making peace. Come on. Say amen. Stand up to your feet. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.